Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. I'm very pleased to have Laura Bowers as my guest today, and let me tell you about Laura. She is the CEO of the PMO Boss. After 20 years of leading projects and teams, she has witnessed some of the best and the worst practices out there. She took that knowledge and developed a streamlined approach for implementing and managing a project management office, PMO, using the BOSS method. Laura absolutely loves talking about making project management simpler and the impact of great leadership at all levels. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that I have talked about many, many times over my career as being a PM, (laughs) how to resuscitate a dying PMO. Strategies for Revival. Please welcome my guest, Laura Bowers. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, yes Laura, we have similar backgrounds, 20 plus years of a PM. Uh, I actually came out of retirement in 2021 to do set up a PMO for a very large, long, many year project. Mm-hmm. And um, it was... Yes, there were some of the worst and the best in that in that time too. That one it year. happens that way, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and we can get into this um, talking about when you you aren't brought in, you're brought in after it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's always interesting where you're you're to fix things after they mm-hmm. didn't start things well. So. Anyway, we're going to get into all this fun stuff as we go along, but we always ask the simple, easy question of all my guests. Just tell us where you live. Where do you call home? I am in College Park, Maryland, which is right out of uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. So I do know that very well. My best friend, whose name is also Vicki, was uh, moved from Pennsylvania to College Park, Maryland. (laughs) And so I spent some time there. That's very nice. Small world. Yeah. So why is leadership and culture so important to a project success? And we only have 30 minutes now, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Right. Yeah. Let me start my thesis. Um, No. So it, it, it really is. I mean, I think this comes across all threads of just professional engagements, right? All jobs, but I've just really noticed that if you have a good leader that is driving an open and communicative culture, 
the project is going to be more successful, right? People want to show up. They want to work towards the goal of completing the project um, when there's inspiring leaders and the ability to feel like you're contributing to something bigger than yourself. Uh, it just makes a world of difference. Absolutely does. And so uh, it does, you know, I, and as I said, I've been, I was a project manager for many, many years and always multi-year, multi-discipline, um, multi-across um, the world. <laughs> so teams were very diverse. And um, some of them I was brought in just as a helper and some of them I actually managed. And I will say those that I managed, it was much easier to more quickly get to that high-performing mm -hmm. team be, because you knew what that you started with, you know, you did mm -hmm. the groundwork. So whenever we talk about the best and the worst practices, um, let's start at the very beginning. Whenever you just have those people that call you and say, I want to do a project. I have this idea. <laughs> what are the first things that you would to make it a great experience? What mm -hmm. would you recommend that you and those stakeholders or those sponsors should do? Yeah, I think it is really critical to first identify who the actual stakeholders are, right? There's the person who comes up sometimes with the idea or communicates yeah. the idea, but they're not necessarily the same person mm -hmm. that has that vision of what the finished product looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot, of, a lot can get lost in translation if you don't have a very clear understanding, I mean, ultimately of what your requirements are. Um, so I, I see that happen a lot where just in the beginning, there's a lot of tumultuous, uh, just what are we, what are we trying to achieve? And that's almost impossible to build a plan around. Yeah. I had one project where we, uh, the, and the project, again, I said multi-year. So I would think we mm -hmm. were in year two of a five, five-year project and we still were asking the question, what is your vision? <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. I've I've experienced some of the same in my in my tenure. <laughs> yeah, because really part of a, of the PMO right is to be able to and the project lead is to be able to as you said inspire and mm -hmm. and so if you don't understand what the vision of the sponsor is, it's right. really difficult for you to um be inspirational, motivational, <laughs> feel like, you know, what you're doing. I mean, you're out there, I'm leading these cats, but I don't know where I'm taking them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it kind of a callback right to the top of, uh, you know, confuses the culture and people don't know what they're working yeah. towards and lack, they start to lack motivation. So what's another best practice? So you've got the vision. Mm -hmm. You actually have some requirement sessions starting and you're making headway. What is um, another best practice that you would do in that that early on stages? Yeah, I think it's um, one thing that really needs to happen is that you need to be realistic about what can be accomplished with the resources you have. Um, I've, I've seen a lot. It, it's almost like best practices mirror worst practices. So you'll notice that quite a bit. But I've seen often um, where leadership, like they just want done right? They don't necessarily understand all the nitty gritty pieces and parcels that go into getting these things done and how it can really kind of, you know, burn people out. Um, so sometimes they'll just pile on too much and being able to, to be in a dialogue where you can be honest about 
properly resource loading people and not putting them at, you know, 150% and hoping for the best uh, is, is going to set you up for success. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You get something done early and then you can, you know, start working on something else. Um, but a lot of times I see it happening the other way around. Yeah. So in a lot of projects now, you have to, it's, it's a different mindset, you know, in, in a lot of ways, <laughs> I found that my last several years, it was better in some ways because um, we were doing agile rather than waterfall. So agile's allowing us to fail, fix, fail, fix. <laughs> and, and we were doing projects that were never been done before. <laughs> so when you talk about having it set up for success it, and those resources being burned out. I think it's a really worth talking about for a few minutes because <laughs> you'll get somebody, one person maybe that really gets the new technology, what they have to do. And now you want them to train the other people, but they know what to do. So they, we need their brains working on figuring out this new <laughs> thing. When is a time that you have to say, okay, we need to add resources mm. to keep this very important person <laughs> to not walk. Yeah, they talk a lot in Idle about safety culture. Um, and sometimes I feel like that's a little bit of an extreme like wording for it, but essentially it's letting employees know that they can speak up when they need to, right? So if you have a project manager that is starting to like train and do and working on reports and being at all these meetings, I mean, they very quickly run out of time. And if they don't feel like they can raise that as a, a risk or issue, right? Um, they can very easily like internalize that and bring a project down, you know, just yeah. because they're afraid to speak up. So I think that building that up front when you're putting together your project team or your staff or however you're, you're configured is letting people know that, you know, bad news doesn't age well. <laughs> And to speak mm -hmm. up as soon as there's something, um, even if it can be managed within that resources, time and allocation, just bringing it up um, creates the conversation around it and provides the levels of support to, you know, make, make things happen. Yeah. And you mentioned in the very beginning, we talked about the fact that how important communication is for a PMO to be successful. The, um, the communication now is, is somewhat, I guess it, it's the best and the worst because when I had projects that were across the world, it was audio conferencing. So mm -hmm. we were having the people in the other side of the world answering questions, yes, 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 yes. But they're really, we're going, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> And you didn't know until it was later that they didn't get what you were asking for or really didn't feel comfortable committing. But as you were mentioned before, didn't feel safe to mm -hmm. say, no, I don't want to, I can't do this. We can't make this um, because they had the, they knew the big bosses were saying it needs to be done by this time. Yeah. So how uh, now with zoom and things like that teams, we can see their faces, but are we, still as project leads or PMO members, are we still keeping it to ourselves when we have concerns? And Yeah, I think there's two kind of like pro tips I can weave in here, right? One is that as a project manager, right, you're taking full ownership of the project. So 
what I've realized is that when you go to a whole project team and you say who has risks, who has issues, like let's identify them, that can sometimes actually be confusing because they don't think in the terms of risk management like many project managers do. So sometimes just um, putting it into layman's terms of just like, hey, you know, is anybody coming across any issues? Is there any reason we may not hit this deadline? Like just asking those questions a little differently will allow, especially um, technical people and, and others that are more like narrowly focused on whatever their tasks are with the project team to think about it a little differently, right? Um, even questions of like, is everyone's PTO being accounted for? Like, do we think we're gonna run into any scheduling conflicts? And asking more like just tangible questions as opposed to almost more esoteric of like, is there any risk? <laughs> like, does anyone see yeah. any problems coming? I think you can get a lot more out of the team to where they're not highlighting problems, right? They're really just speaking about what's going on in a much more conversational way. Um, and then the other one I would suggest, um, and I've used a lot with my team, is that when they do go to a meeting or get guidance of some sort, and it doesn't, you know, always seem feasible, you know, doing that reply of, uh, especially when these are not in meetings, doing some type of a email reply saying, hey, for our conversation, my understanding is this, this, you know, um, and then whether or not you have concerns, right? So you can either leave it at that and loop in people who can escalate an issue, um, or you can identify like, I, you know, here, understand that this is what you want. Is that correct? Because we may have to reprioritize, right? And you can start right. to introduce a bigger conversation may need to be had around whatever stakeholders' bigger ideas are. <laughs> And and whenever you have those remote workers and whatnot, I think it's even more so important to to be able to communicate not only the oh god this is going on or this happened, but mm -hmm. yay you re reach this little goal, this small goal, this you know milestone, and let's celebrate. Let's take a minute, make sure you recognize those people. Um, especially if it's in a time crunch and, and everybody's just head down working hard and, and nobody is um, really feeling the, the love. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved the opportunity to celebrate someone when they least expect it, yeah. you know, I'm kind of like the almost unsung heroes type of yeah. thing. Like, you know, this person, you know, they were, supposed to log off at such and such time, but they powered through it and that was not required and they did it anyway. Um, and thanking people for doing things like that. Cause a lot of people uh, feel forced to, to put in the extra hours. Um, but the, the entire environment around work right now, I mean, it's just changed so much over the last couple of years that um, you really need to build, build a lot of that encouragement, appreciation, all of it into the cultures. One of the things that I found that was really aligned with entrepreneurship, you know, that I moved to is the fact that with um, when you're dealing with uh, other entrepreneurs, you have to have that positive mindset. You have to be able to ask questions in a way that aren't um, that are or more positive to get people not feeling as if you're being judgmental or. Right there's going to be a blame or a big hammer coming your way. And so how important is it to be able to, as you are 
dealing with various levels of communication. You're communicating mm-hmm. up to the CEO or to the directors or to your peers or mm-hmm. those below you. How important it is that is it that you are able to do that multiple communication level? Yeah, personally, I feel like that's what makes or breaks a project manager. Um, I've seen a lot of people come into the game and they just, you know, they can be super, super organized and keep track of everything, but they don't know how to communicate the messages at the right level, right? Um, And they kind of get passed over or are viewed as less valuable over time because they can't clearly communicate the needs of the project. Um, So it's it's definitely unfortunate when you see it because it's a skill that, you know, could be cultivated uh, and is something that I've always tried to cultivate with my my team members. Um, but for the ones that just knock it out of the park, honestly have an innate ability to build rapport. You know, they just have that kind of natural talent to to build relationships to where they don't mm. feel pressured as they're going up and down that chain of communication. So what are, um, in your opinion, in your years of experience, the top five lessons that you've learned over these mm-hmm. years? Yeah, top five. So I think some of them we probably touched on, mm-hmm. but I really think um, the assessing your resources is going to be one of the key mm-hmm. ones, right? Really understanding what's possible uh, so that you set up for success from the jump and not failure. I would also say prioritization, um, somewhat in the same vein, right? Like if there are multiple things going on, you know, some of these um, companies that it sounds like you and I've worked for in the past, right? They're, they're can be pretty big and there's multiple things going on. So you don't have the luxury of just working on one project, you know, That's a tr- <laughs> that, is so, true. that would be, I mean, I almost couldn't even imagine my career if it was just one project at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you do need to be able to have some realistic conversations of what is more important. And even beyond that, it can't change every day. I've been environments where, in environments where they are constantly changing the priority and that level of churn um, just sets everything back. You can't get any momentum going. Uh, so being honest uh, about your prioritizations and then sticking to them at least for a period of time so that the team can almost like train, right? Build up that momentum yeah. and, and get things going. Um, another thing that I see happening, I would, I would put in the top five is scope creep which is essentially mm-hmm. when, you know, requirements get added to a project down the road. Uh, so we talked a little bit at the beginning about having some really clear requirements. Um, and if there are going to be new ones, you know, there's there's a process called change management where you would formally accept them into the project. It wouldn't be, um, unfortunately, what you see is like a lot of willy nilly, like, oh, now I want 10 instead of five or, or whatever it may be, right? Um, so having a real kind of iron fist when it comes to changing the scope of the project and making sure that everyone is in agreement when the project does expand, because that will change budget, timeline, schedule, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And to be able to accept, accept changes, because as I said, you know, a lot of projects I did were the uh, agile. And so Mm -hmm. as uh, what we originally thought was not the best solution. And so we did mm-hmm. have to do change management. Right. The um, the one of the, th- the things I think that also helps in that is process mapping in the early stages in the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks hate to do that because they just want to get started right away. So what is your thoughts or what are your thoughts on um, having 
process management as PMO. Yeah, I like it. I mean, anything that is going to clarify how things are going to operate, or at least start to give you the bones of, of what things are going to look like is going to help with everything a lot. I feel that majority of the project timeline is in the requirements and the designing or engineering, if you know, IT related, um, the implementation, if well-planned should be short. Right. And, and that's not always what I see, right? Sometimes you see implementations that are multi-year yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of drag on because things change. Um, so I personally believe that putting that effort in upfront makes the execution much more seamless. And when you have end users and customers dealing with the implementation, that's what needs to be smooth. You know, not, not the front end that can be messy. You, know, that, you can churn and, and work through things there, but you know, you want to shoot for a nice, nice deployment, a nice implementation. Absolutely. So what is it about the BOSS boss framework that makes PMOs successful? You spent some time thinking about this. I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, we did put a framework together so that we can kind of step into any company and get a good assessment of what's going on. So that boss stands for, it stands for baseline outline setup and sustain. Uh, so in that process, when we are baselining, there's a pretty comprehensive assessment questions, um, meeting time, right. That we spend with each company to see where they're at, what processes are working, what's not, do they have a small team, a big team, right. Um, tools they use or don't use all those questions to just kind of see where we're at. Yeah. From there, we, um, outline kind of our recommendations best on best based on best practices. There you go. Um, and then once we kind of regroup with them to see what makes the most sense, again, based yeah. on resources, because we, you know, follow what we preach here. It is based on what they can actually support. Uh, we work with them to set it up and implement those processes and systems that will actually work. And what I think is most important, um, is our focus is to make it sustainable. So we don't want to leave a company with a process that they cannot uphold right? That's a temporary fix at best. So we're going to look at solutions that are custom fit to what that organization can handle at that time, but they will then be set up to scale. Cause once you have the framework, you know, then you can just start adding in pieces. It makes it much easier to grow. Um, but we like to focus on things that are simple and sustainable and, and not overthink it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, we talked at the beginning of this about the fact that we're resuscitating mm -hmm. this dying PMO. How do you breathe life back into this lifeless team? Yeah. Especially, so especially you haven't built, if you're just coming in, you, you really haven't built a relationship with them and you're just getting as much as you can in that first uh, few interviews. Right. Yeah. So, so believe it or not, this is actually usually more fun because we follow the same process, we go through the same steps, but we also infuse a big dose of like culture revival, right? Um, so it is actually a good focus on team building. Yeah. Um, we'll look at the mission, we'll make sure that that's actually clear across the company or, you know, that a lot of times that's why those problems exist, right? The vision, the messaging isn't clear, teams don't feel like they're working together. Um, so we'll, we'll try to pick those things out, right. In a, a 
best way we can. I think it's a lot of companies struggle with this, especially as we've moved into like a super hybrid work environment. It is very challenging to create yeah. teams that feel cohesive. Um, but, you know, I, I can draw from some of my experiences of the things that we've done and, and helped people feel together when they're not, and then um, encourage encourage that culture, right? So that the PMO comes back to life with new processes and new sense of team. Yeah. So how, uh, what, what made you decide to go from what you were doing and open mm -hmm. your own business when you know that there was a risk there <laughs> for sure? I mean, right. Yeah, it's I, I, I didn't. I did not choose to do uh, my PMO business, <laughs> and even though I love project management, I, I'll I'll come and work with you. But I opening a business, my dear, I hats off to you. Yeah, well, maybe there's an opportunity for partnership. I love that. <laughs> um, no, I think it just you know, COVID did a number on a lot of people. You yeah, know, sure with did. what they're doing and and kind of what they want. And I definitely took some time during that period to, to reflect. And I really feel that I can make a bigger impact with more companies. Um, we like to focus on entrepreneurs of smaller businesses, um, help them be successful so that they don't fall into that statistic of, of not making it. That's what 90% of small businesses, you know, don't make it is that well-known statistic. Um, so we want to help that number go down. Right. And a lot of times, you can be an entrepreneur with a super amazing idea, but you can't wear all the hats and you don't have all the skills. Um, so sometimes taking that visionary and complementing them with, a, you know, I'm very type A, very organized, uh, can be, it can be a beautiful match and can really help companies kind of push into a, a framework in which they can succeed and scale. And I think just like small departments, try to do things themselves i think a lot of smaller companies and and enter and entrepreneurs don't even think in terms of this should be a project you know like everything Correct. in life is a project to me i mean everything is a project and so um i i think that if your service is something that um they can understand okay you're to to make things go smoothly so that mm -hmm. that business owner that entrepreneur can concentrate on growing the business and doing what they do best and having all of your projects be one less thing to worry about except maybe giving that vision <laughs> maybe just that one. yeah i mean but, certainly de depending on the size of the company depends on how involved that entrepreneur will be but I often see that it's coming from individuals that are just, they're overwhelmed, right? And yeah. like you said, they don't define things as a project necessarily. It's just a whole bunch of, of uh, disconnected tasks, right? Yeah. So helping them get that structure um, makes everything clearer and it allows their team, if they're in the position to have one, communicate better with them, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately getting your products out faster, more revenue opportunity, less headaches, you know, it's... Mm -hmm. Really that's why that's why I love to do the process map in the in the information gathering stage because it really brought to light you know as they're talking about their process <laughs> they're discovering oh my god I don't even know why I do that <laughs> it was what the person before me did but it doesn't make any sense but we do it because that's what they were doing it's like mm -hmm. well 
there's something you could get rid of, you know, let's make that um, sales process be only two weeks long instead of 90 days. <laughs> right. That's a huge, uh, be a huge improvement to the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it is time now for us to go to the rapid fire. So I just have a couple. How do our thoughts one of the things you talk about is mindset. And I think that's perfect. How do our thoughts impact the way we look at our success? Yeah. As somebody, I'm a former, you know, corporate burnout, right? I got there. I was, I was pretty, pretty burnt out and my thoughts weren't great. It was a tough, tough time for me in my career. So I think your mindset, it's going to set you up as how your day goes, right? If you log in in the morning and you got nothing but like, I can't wait to log off. Uh, that's not going to be a good day. But if you log in and you're like, oh, we got to get this project done. We're working on this. You know, it's going to help these people. It, you're just energized in a totally different way. And that's all controlled by your mindset. Uh, so it's huge. I think it's everything, mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. And and you have, as I mentioned, oftentimes a very diverse group. You know, you're working with not only individually diverse, but IT, finance, mm -hmm. marketing, you know, and everybody is thinking they're the most important piece of that. And so <laughs> how you quarterback that, I think is really important. The way you come with your mindsets, being positive and keeping them thinking that way, I think is really mm -hmm. critical to, to the success because it can easily go down the toilet. Yeah, I think sometimes everyone's your favorite child, right? Every yeah. department is the best. And and you, uh, that's part of the rapport building. You kind of play that, you know, um, I, I've definitely sometimes played the character of like, hey, it's not me. It's this report I got to get done. Like, just, you know, help me out here. I'm help it's, mm -hmm. I'm here to help you. <laughs> so there is a mm -hmm. lot of um, haggling that, you know, sometimes goes along with it. But again, if you know what the greater good is or what is actually trying to be accomplished and you're not looking to ding people or, mm -hmm. you know, find problems, it's, it'll change the experience for everybody. Yeah. All right. The last question I have is what is next for you, Laura Bowers? Well, right now we have somewhat ambitious goal for really what's a startup. I am hoping to help a hundred entrepreneurs in the next year oh, awesome. get themselves organized and help beat the odds. So we, we got ourselves a little mission here. Um, we will be doing a workshop in January about annual oh, planning. Good, good. So that, you know, if, if you guys follow along with us, you'll find that information as it becomes available. So that'll be an exciting way to try to, to reach a wider audience. So definitely then you need to come back in late December or um, early January in case you're not doing it till the end so mm -hmm. that we can help promote that for you. What about a book? That'd be great. I mean, there's a lot of ideas. I am a project manager, so I have, you know, mm -hmm. a whole bunch of things I want to do, but uh, for the end of this year, because we, we do do project management at the PMO boss, <laughs> we are focused on launching the workshop and, um, you know, getting to those goals in 2024 of reaching, reaching a hundred, hundred entrepreneurs, small businesses. Wow. So if you got, a, if you build a workshop mm -hmm. and you do a bunch of these podcasts, get it. Like I give mm -hmm. a transcript, you get a book, no problem done. Mm -hmm. 
You can do it. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I will definitely awesome. work toward and that. I can, I can connect you with a number of, of publishers that can help you with that. Even oh, well, if you, you know, especially even if you want to do a, a down and dirty, like the, the nitty gritty top uh, one on one easy place. Get your PMO or yeah. get a P a PMO for your smallest business. Just so you do it. Just do it. <laughs> um, we have a, a Dr. Smiley can definitely help you get that quick book out there. You know, it doesn't that. have to be war and peace. You know, a little short <laughs> thing that they can get through and think, okay, I can get this project done. He, if I we love it. simple, right? You know, yeah, something punchy that actually helps. <laughs> yes, we'll hook you up with Dr. Smiley. Thank awesome. you. We will definitely um, want to be able to share the information because I know you audience are are wanting to know how to connect with Laura. So this will all be on my findyourleadershipconfidence.com website as well as my YouTube channel. Hopefully you're subscribing so that we can help grow that channel and I can keep bringing you these awesome people like Laura Bowers. Laura's website is https colon forward slash forward slash www.the pmoboss.com the pmoboss.com facebook the pmoboss.com don't we love her and linkedin the same the pmoboss.com if you can't remember that i said it three times so i'll say it one more time <laughs> the pmoboss.com laura what can they find on pmoboss.com yeah like i said i'm sticking with that simple thing right you can find us the same everywhere you go um, if you do make it to the website, we actually have a guide up there. It's free and it walks through um, the top seven strategies for uh, project management for people that really don't like project management is really what it boils <laughs> down to. And it touches on some of the things we spoke about today. Um, see, that's why you need the book. <laughs> for those people <laughs> here, take this book, then call yeah. me when you have questions. That builds a relationship, right? Okay. So again, you go to the pmoboss.com for all the good tips. And if you need more help, just contact her. Her contact information is on that website. Well, Laura, it's been wonderful. Uh, I do love still talking about project management. As I said, everything you do in life is a project. And mm -hmm. uh, if you want to be less stressed, just get a good PMO. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nethling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. <laughs>